Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the fabulous Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It is in the wee hours of the morning on Maroon Friday, but Friday nonetheless. Hope it is a payday for you. If you're a bi-weekly wage earner, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But we hope that you have enough funds to get out and go have some fun with the family this weekend. Kind of let your hair down a little bit. Kind of enjoy having the work week over. And for you guys working weekends, we apologize. Appreciate the job that you do. I want to thank you guys for your support and patronage of the Boneyard. By the time you listen to this, most of you, unless you're working the graveyard shift, and I know that I get the analytics on that. It's amazing how I'll upload a show sometimes, and within like five minutes, it's already had, you know, 50 downloads. And so no matter what time of day I do it. So uh, that being said, I will be on the road to Knoxville. I'm covering Mississippi State this weekend. Uh, And here's a, a couple things I want to say about that. As long as Jake Mangum is chasing history, we're going to be there to cover it, no matter where that journey takes us. Because I believe, because this is such a historic moment in Mississippi State baseball history and in college baseball history and Southeastern Conference baseball history, we need to be there to document it. Not just for the Boneyard, not just for Gene's Page, but for Mississippi State, for you guys. I want to do what we can to bring that back to you. And uh, there is a good chance that Jake Mangum will set the Mississippi State all-time career hits record this weekend. He is currently two hits behind Jeffrey Ray, the pride of Nettleton, Mississippi, Jeffrey Ray. Uh, Jeff, a four-year starter at second base, uh, holds the current record at 335 career base hits. Jake is at 333 after uh, a great night at the ballpark on Wednesday. His state absolutely rolled over those good fine folks uh, from up the road there, 21 uh, to eight in that ball game with Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you know, I don't know that we expect it to be a 28 to eight ball game, but a couple things I want to get into that. We'll, we'll break that down and then we'll get into our preview uh, for Tennessee. Also, spend some time at football practice, and so I want to share with you some things, some observations, some things I learned there, uh, talking with uh, some of our staff members and some observations of things that I saw. But first and foremost. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Uh, they keep us outfitted in the finest and maroon and white fashions. If you are a person in need of new Mississippi State clothing, and if you're wondering if I'm talking to you, yes, I'm talking to you, because everybody needs a new maroon and white pullover or T-shirt. Guys, short-sleeve weather is pretty much here. You know what I'm saying? And so you need to have uh, the latest in maroon and white fashions. And it, By going by seeing Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, They'll get you outfitted. The whole family can be taken care of there. But if you can't make it in, maybe online shopping is your way. Go to campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code, which is BSR. That'll give you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Safe shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So, as, as you know, Mississippi State absolutely... Uh, destroys Louisiana Monroe 21 to 8. They they were in North Alabama, okay, to to be fair. They were not North Alabama. 
But all that said, Mississippi State did what they needed to do. They get out early, absolutely destroyed the Louisiana Monroe starter, never retires a hitter, leaves the ball game. ERA is now infinity. Uh, but State jumps out, has the big grand slam from Dustin Skelton to go up 6 nothing. Tanner Allen follows with a solo homer. It's 7 nothing. At that point, it was academic. It was simply a matter then of what the final score was going to be. Mississippi State mixed and matched all night, used Keegan James for uh, three and a third innings, pull him. He's still available to pitch some this weekend. And uh, one thing Coach Chris Lamont has told us Wednesday in postgame is that Keegan has done really well in, like, shorter stints. So he could be a guy that can come in and be a middle reliever for you if need be. Uh, Pey- Peyton Plumlee now announced as your Sunday starter against Tennessee. But not to get ahead of ourselves, we uh, we had – Brandon Smith come in and pitch pretty well. Uh, Jack Egan had some struggles there, and uh, we really need Jack to kind of get going. You know, and he had a good outing here a couple weekends ago, and we thought he might get a potential start against LSU on Sunday because they were uh, such a left-handed hitted lineup. But uh, Jack gives up uh, two runs on three hits, and then things kind of settle down. Kobe White comes in, does a good job for you, struck out every hitter he faced, and good to see him have a very solid outing. I think he, he needed that. You know, he's been a guy that we have uh, depended on. Uh, and he, and he, he struggled a little bit against Auburn and a little bit against LSU. But, uh, but all that being said, Raleigh Self comes in. Uh, he has a, a scoreless inning, a per, per, hitless inning there. I think he walked one hitter. Uh, Tyler Spring struggled just a little bit. But then, you know, we get Eric Sarantola back out there, and he does a good job. And so, but by and large, the Mississippi State bullpen did a good job. And I've seen people out there saying, oh, well, you know, our bullpen couldn't hold it. You know, whatever. It's 21-8, to okay? And one of the things we want to do here is we want to get these guys some work. We don't want to have to put them in a ball game uh, when they when they don't have confidence in their breaking ball when uh, it's uh, you know seventh inning and the bases loaded against uh, you know against LSU. You know this is when you get work for those guys. It's like sometimes I don't think, and I mean this in the nicest, most kindest way possible. I don't think a lot of our fans fully appreciate what we do in a non-conference midweek games. It's not a matter of us trying to go out there and dominate somebody and beat them twenty or nothing. We'd love to do that, but the, the, the primary purpose is, is to get work for these guys and get some at-bats for these guys. And I have read a lot of discussion about, well, there should be a 10-run rule in these non-conference games. Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree with that. And uh, I, I've been on the fence about it, but I'm, I've kind of come around to the way of thinking of, you know, for those guys that get to hit late in the ballgame, that might be the only at-bat they get against live pitching at all. And so, it, you know, it's a big deal for Benjamin Bell to get in there and have a chance to hack away at a pitch. It's a big deal to get Marshall Gilbert a couple of at-bats because you never know when you're going to need him. Yeah, he is, you know, he's your second, possibly third-team catcher. But uh, you put him out there, you never know when you're going to need him in a pinch-hitting situation. So I don't want him rusty and on the – got to go dust him off the shelf and put him out there. You let Gunnar Halter go over and play short. Foskey goes to second. You, you move some things around. You experiment some. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to give up some runs. That's just kind of part of it. Not to mention Keegan James, I thought pitched well enough to you know, to earn a win there. But uh, you know he gets a ground ball and an opportunity to get out of the the inning, and and uh, you have a runner flash right in front of Foscu. It was a legal play. Uh, Foscu kind of double clutches there, throws the ball away, and then two runs score after that unearned. But we kind of get we begin to overanalyze things, and it's almost like there's these people that they they feel like something bad's going to happen. They want to go ahead and lay the groundwork now to say I told you so. Well. Here's the deal with that. It doesn't matter. You know, we're not keeping score. There's no internet credibility for any of that stuff. So you can tweet it. You can post it on Facebook, whatever. And I have seen a couple people, like, wanted to call Brandon Walker out about some stuff. Brandon is my friend, and uh, I'm on his show regularly, and people kind of laugh thinking that Brandon and I have some rivalry. It's it's not even that case at all. Our our wives know each other. We Brandon and I have a great friendship. Uh, and I, I wish he lived in Star Wars so we could spend more time together. But I see people like, oh, well, Brandon Walker said this or Steve Robertson said that. And it's just so dadgum silly. You know, and if it makes you feel better to say, you know what, I was right and Steve and Brandon were wrong, you know, so be it. I just want Mississippi State to win ball games. And uh, in order for State to win ball games and to get deep into the postseason, we are going to need the contributions from pitchers in addition to Ethan Small and JT Ginn and Cole Gordon. And so that's what we did on Wednesday. We gave those guys that we will depend on down the stretch an opportunity to get some work, have them pitch against some guys that aren't their friends, and give Coach Fox all a chance to see some tape on them and see how they respond to some adversity. And they will be better for it in the long run. 
But by and large, most of your pitchers pitch well on Wednesday. Yes, we give up eight runs, but that were limited to the three pitchers, and two of those were unearned runs. But I understand those runs count. They just shouldn't be charged to your pitcher. It's your defense. And that continues to be an issue. It is. And you're trading some defense for offense to some of those guys. But the bottom line is, you win the ball game. Now you're ready to go play Tennessee. Now this Tennessee team, I don't know if you're aware of this, Tennessee began the season and won their first 15 games. The best start in school history. And everybody said, you know what, they've turned this thing around. Well, since that, since opening up 15-0, they're 7-8 and since then. Now 22-8 and overall, 3-6 and in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, it's been a different deal for them since we've got into the league. Uh, they get swept by Auburn the first SEC series of the year. That was a real eye-opener for them. Uh, they go back home and take two of three from South Carolina, and South Carolina is really reeling. I don't know if you if you have looked at them. South Carolina is not the team many people expected them to be. They, they weren't expected to contend, but people expected them to be middle of the pack at best and maybe be in contention to, to maybe play their way into hosting. Uh, and again, I say I'm happy we had them the last weekend because I think by the time that we get them into Duty Noble Field, they're going to be pretty much mailing it in. But Tennessee does take two of three from them, and then they lose two of three to Vanderbilt. They win the ball game on Sunday 7-6, kind of uh, find a way to kind of piece it together uh, with the middle reliever. So uh, they come in three and six. This is a huge series for them, having Mississippi State uh, in their yard. And uh, a couple of things I wanted to share with you. For, for maybe if you weren't familiar with this, Mississippi State uh, has a very good series history against Tennessee over the years. Now, all of that in a, in a hill of beans, uh, you know, will maybe help you down the road. It won't help you win ball games. But uh, overall, Mississippi State leads the series 58-29. 58-29. In Knoxville, Mississippi State leads 17 games to 15. In Starkville, Mississippi State leads 37-12. to on neutral sites, that's traditionally Hoover. Mississippi State leads four and two. The last time State got together, they beat us uh, seven to four. Now we did sweep them back in 2017. If you remember the 2015 year, and I know that's one that we've all tried to forget, Tennessee swept us that year. Swept us. It was the first time they had ever, ever came away with a sweep against Mississippi State. And then in 2017, we came back and uh, swept them. Uh, but this is a big series. I personally believe that Tennessee is a team that looks better on paper than they do on the field. And I have some other people out there that are mostly invested, and they say, well, you know, they got these big arms, and, and they do. But they have been very, very limited uh, offensively. And so the three starters are to be, as, as expected, has been announced, Garrett Stallings, and all these guys are going to be right-handers. You're going to have two junior right-handers, and you'll have a senior on Sunday. Uh, junior right-hander Garrett Stallings, Comes in with a 5-2 and two record, 2.17 ERA, 52 strikeouts on the year against just eight walks. He is a guy that uh, does get hit a lot. He's allowing pretty much a hit per inning pitched. Uh, doesn't walk a lot of people, so that's one of the things to kind of watch. Control will probably be uh, his strong suit. But uh, he is a guy that's going to give them an opportunity to win the ball game. He is a typical Friday night SEC starter. A guy that's going to go out there and throw strikes. Gets a lot of swinging strikes. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have to go out there and play well. Uh, this is uh, Ethan, I, I'm glad Ethan Small's pitching opposite him because I think Ethan's got a chance to put up a lot of zeros against his lineup. On Saturday, JT Ginn will face off against Zach Lingenfelter, and that's what, what a good baseball name that is, Lingenfelter. 4-3 and three on the year, 3.82 ERA there for Zach. Another guy that uh, doesn't walk a lot of people. And so that's the thing, when you, you look at the fact that uh, – you know, Tennessee hadn't made a lot of errors. They haven't given you a whole lot. Uh, they, at one point, they were leading the nation in ERA. They're not anymore, but they're still among the nation leaders. And on Sunday, they're going to start right-handed pitcher Will Neely, who's 2-1 and one on the season. Now, they have kind of pieced this thing together with him on the backside, kind of like the, uh, you know, the Trevor Fitz-Chad Gerardo thing we did in, in 2016, uh, or 2013, pardon me. But uh, they have a left-handed reliever, Garrett Crochet. He got the win last weekend against Vanderbilt. And so they'll start the right-hander, and usually everybody tries to stack left-handers. You know, State won't have to do that, then they kind of counter with a left-hander late. Uh, but this is a team that is going to pitch the baseball well. Now, they are not a great offensive team, but they do maximize what they have. I don't know if you're aware of this. They're third in the league and among the best in the country at stolen bases. 57 stolen bases this year. Uh, the the leading thief, Jay Charleston, 24 stolen bases, 24, which is fifth nationally. 
Jay Charleston, that's uh, those are big numbers. Now he's only hitting 252, uh, so you get got to make sure you don't walk the guy and put him on base because he is a guy that will go still hit still on base. I think in every game last weekend against Vanderbilt, five ten, one hundred seventy pound junior, definitely a guy to be mindful of. Uh, had a uh, one for four, one for four, two for four. So what's that? Uh, four for twelve weekend against Vanderbilt. One zero for four against East Tennessee. Uh, had one big ball game against South Carolina. But you know, so he's a guy that's kind of been you know hit or miss. But uh, a guy you definitely want to keep off the base pass as you get into it. Now looking at the stats here for Tennessee, uh, they've got they've got a lot of experience on this team. It's one of the things people kind of told us early on with them is that they they're going to have a veteran pitching staff. They're going to have some guys that have been in this league for a while that have not really had an opportunity to win a lot of ball games. Uh, but they're a team that uh, that is, you know, under a new coaching staff, they've got a chance to do some things. Now, I know that I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to do the best I can. And that's Alaric Solary. Pardon me. <laughs> 383. 383, four doubles, seven home runs. Uh, he is a guy that they're they're expecting big things from. Saw him uh, last weekend in a couple of uh, at bats against Vanderbilt. He is a sophomore outfielder from San Jacinto Community College, originally out of Houston, Texas. Uh, but he is a guy that um, you know, that has had some success and uh, could be a guy that moves on into his professional baseball uh, career uh, shortly. But uh, not a huge offensive team, and uh, you know the, the one that you know. Ellerick with a seven home runs. You got a couple guys with three, but not a lot of power in this lineup. But they have been somewhat susceptible to giving up home runs. We mentioned Will Denny earlier. He has allowed a team high six home runs this year, uh, and and again ERA of five nine four. So he's definitely a guy that'll challenge hitters, and you've got an opportunity to turn that thing around. Uh, I expect Mississippi State to come out and be very, very aggressive against this this lineup. I think uh, because they are power pitchers, they're guys who want to get ahead early, you're going to see a lot of first-pitch fastballs. That's just kind of what I expect to see. And, and the lineup like Mississippi State, you can get through the order once probably with that, that type of that you know that type of game plan. I don't think it's going to last. And that if we have seen that uh, without few exceptions this year, is that it's just tried and true. At some point, Mississippi State will get to you. They'll get your starter out of the ballgame. I really thought we came out really aggressive on Wednesday night, and I was happy to see it. When they were getting fastballs early in the count, they are very, very aggressive and putting good swings on it. Uh, and as we saw with Dustin Skelton, he says he got a, got a 2-0 fastball there. He said he was trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark, and he did. When you have the chance to play for the big inning, you got to roll the dice and go do it, and that's what State did. And that was one thing I thought was kind of missing against LSU. I thought we were... We, we kind of swung at some bad balls and chased some balls out of the zone, tried to do a little too much, uh, and didn't really play for those big innings. And, and the, the, one of the things that I think State will do against Tennessee is they will try to get a, get ahead. When you've got a guy that's not going to walk you, you better go up there looking to swing the bat. That will really be the case on Friday night. Uh, and, again, the way Ethan Small has pitched uh, among one of the better pitchers in the country, I don't think he's getting near the acclaim that he deserves. But I feel like we're going to win a ball game every time Ethan goes out there, and I think you guys do as well. So I think he'll match Stallings, and I think that Friday night ball game will be, you know, be very competitive, be a low-scoring game, but it should be one that Mississippi State can win. And, and the bottom line is this: we've got to be able to get through Friday, Saturday, and then get into Sunday. And if Peyton Plumley can can return to form, and because that's the thing with him, he's been a little heckle jekyll, okay? He has a little Jekyll Hyde, I guess. I, I get caught up with that cartoon character, right? It's, it's the crows, right? Like the black crows, heckle and jekyll. But he's been a little Jekyll and Hyde. I, I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe Heckle Jekyll too. But uh, but the bottom line is, when you get good Peyton Plumley, he can, you can win your ball game. He is a guy that gets downhill. You know, it's just like last Sunday we saw. He gives up the home run to Antoine DePlantis, and then he comes back and really settles down and gives you a good outing. If we can get that, if if he can get you through the order, you know, one maybe two times, I think you're going to win the ball game. I think he's one of those kind of guys that when he's on, you got to ride him. Uh, and maybe we'll settle some things down. You know, last Sunday we, or last Saturday in Game Three, we had the um, kind of the Johnny Holstaff day. I don't know if they stick with that same game plan, just trying to mix and match uh, this weekend or not. I think if if you can get Plumley a lead and he can hold it for you, I think you got to let him go. I don't think you you want to get in there and play around too much because uh, that's the thing in this league. The, the guys that win the SEC championship are the guys that can find a way to, to make the pitching work for them on Sundays. And Peyton Plumley and Keegan James were both very much in contention for that Sunday spot. They competed down the stretch. Keegan's had some opportunities. 
uh, kind of with some mixed results. So now maybe you give Pate an opportunity, and you guys know how how awesome he did uh, at Cape Cod this year. And so happy to have him back and uh, excited to see what he can do. And, and again, Tennessee's in the same situation. Tennessee doesn't have a great Sunday starter yet either. They're, they're still kind of figuring this thing out. So if we can get to Sunday, uh, I think we've got a chance to, to really do some big things and kind of jump ahead here in the SEC standings. We cannot afford to go up there and drop a, a game that, that we should. We can't go up to Ford and give a game away. I expect Mississippi State to win the series. We'll all kind of keep our fingers you know, crossed for anything more than that. But I believe this is certainly a series based on how Tennessee has played as of late that we can go up there and uh, and steal one. I don't think there's any question Mississippi State is capable of doing that. It's just going to be a matter of putting things together. So I mentioned they're 7 of 8 in the last 15 and 3 and 6 in the league. And uh, that that includes you know kind of stealing the game last Sunday against uh, on the road in Vanderbilt. Uh, those first couple ball games really weren't competitive. Four to two on Friday night. They lose ten to four on Sunday, and then Vanderbilt bullpen couldn't hold the lead uh, there on Sunday. But uh, you know, I just think this is a team that looks good on paper. I just don't know if they're going to have enough. If State goes out there and plays like they should, uh, I don't know that Lindsey Nelson Stadium can hold the, the Bulldogs down for very long. I think you can go out there, swing the bats well, get a lead, get into that bullpen. Uh, make some big things happen. Because Ethan Small is pitching the best baseball of his career. And you know, if you know anything about JT Ginn, and anything about, if you talk to anybody that has been around him in his career, he is an unbelievably competitive young man after what happened last weekend at LSU. And, and listen, he only had the one bad inning, really. He will come back and he will give you his best effort this this Saturday. I I, I feel very, very confident about JT Ginn being on the hill this Saturday. You know, one of the words that I, I hate to ever see, especially from our own fans, say, oh, well, well we, we were exposed, or JT Ginn was exposed. Listen, you you play enough baseball, you're going to have a bad loss every once in a while. You're going to have a bad inning. You're going to have a bad at bat. That's part of it. Nobody's been exposed, okay? And we need to abandon that line of thinking. Nobody has ever come out in college baseball, in modern-day college baseball, and swept the entire season. It just doesn't happen that way. That's not how baseball is played. Nobody comes out and just dominates the entire field. You go back and look, and if you somebody wins 20 games in this league, they're going to win the league. That's traditionally how this thing works. You know, you're not going to come out and sweep every series. You go back and look at what State did in 2016 and how well State had to play down the stretch to edge out Texas A&M. It's a remarkable season for us. But you're going to have some days when things don't go right. Doesn't mean that you got a bad ball team. Doesn't mean you've been exposed. Air quotes, exposed. I don't even like the word. Our bullpen's been exposed. Yeah, I think your lack of, of intelligence when it comes to baseball's been exposed. That's what I think's been exposed. If we want to get down to it, I got a lot of confidence in JT again. He is just as good a pitcher today as he was two weeks ago. It's just the fact that he went up against a very disciplined left-handed heavy lineup against LSU. And uh, they were very disciplined. They didn't chase that front door slider like they should have, like we expected them to. Now, after we got through the, the three-run first inning, he kind of settled down. Uh, but we're going to go out and play well this weekend. I feel very confident about about the team, and I, and I like what I've heard. And Tanner Allen shared with us on Wednesday night that they uh, spent a large part of practice earlier this week with the uh, the music blaring at the Dirty Noble Field, PA, and they had the call for the baseball. And I'll tell you, on Wednesday – we heard Jordan Westberg and Rowdy Jordan and others all the way up in the press box yelling, you take it, you take it, or I got it, I got it. So it's being addressed. It's being addressed. I don't know that this is ever going to be a golden glove defense, okay? I, mean, I just, I think you're trading defense for offense at, at several positions. And, uh, you know, we can beat our heads in the ground all day long and say, hey, we need to change this guy, we need to change that guy. We don't have a lot of depth when it comes to infield positions. We just we don't. we got a ton of outfielders. We don't have a lot of depth on the infield. Got a lot of depth to catcher. Don't have a lot of depth on the infield. And so no matter how many times you tweet about it, and no matter how many times you get in your Facebook group and you complain about it, it's not going to change anything. It's as simple as that. They will get better as the year goes along. Just, but you might as well expect there to be some. I understand, listen, I understand we're we're already in the second half of the season. But you've got several of these guys. You know, Gunnar Halter is the kid that was playing junior college baseball last year. 
Jordan Westberg was a guy that was DHing for the most part last year. And now you're throwing them in there together, playing together for the first time in the middle infield in the Southeastern Conference. There are going to be some growing pains. It is as simple as that. I wish I could paint you a prettier picture. But I believe what you get from them offensively, you're going to boot some balls around. But this is a team that is capable of winning the Southeastern Conference. I don't know that they will, because I think the schedule actually favors Vanderbilt. We don't get the benefit of playing Kentucky and, and Missouri. They do. The West is absolutely loaded. We've got to play everybody over there. And so I don't know that we win the SEC, but I think we can certainly play our way into a top-eight national seed. And in order to do that, we've got to get fat these next couple weekends. We've got to go take care of Tennessee and come home and beat Alabama. We've got to find a way to steal a sweep in there some way to kind of make up one of those losses against OSU and get, really get back in the thick of things. The RPI is going to be fine. The more games we play, the better it's going to be. It's as simple as that. But uh, this Tennessee team is capable of beating Mississippi State if we don't play well. If we get out there and we get impatient, and uh, sometimes going on the road is good because sometimes you get, you get, you get away from Starkville and you get away from, from all of this. You get away from the girlfriends and the friends and everybody wanting tickets and all that kind of stuff, and you get on the road and kind of have this us-against-the-world mentality and you can kind of regroup a little bit. But I felt we answered very strongly on Wednesday, and uh, I expect this team that has great leadership – uh, to go out there and play well this weekend. As you guys are aware, very good chance Jake Mangum sets the uh, the school record for career hits this weekend. And that'll be big. I wish he had an opportunity to do it at home. But if he can have a huge weekend, there's no reason to think that he won't have an opportunity to possibly tie or surpass Eddie Furnace for the SEC record next weekend during Super Bowl weekend. How cool would that be? I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but, you know, I'm not going to ever pick up a bat and go stand in the box and, and have to – to swing okay I, I can get ahead of myself Jake's the one that's got to stay focused and so uh, it, with Tennessee's ability to pitch I don't I don't expect a 10 hit weekend but man if he could if he could generate that it'd be outstanding 19 hits behind now the record's 352 Jake's at 333 that's the SEC mark it stood forever and a day have an opportunity to go take that thing down so big weekend this weekend and then a good midweek game against South Alabama he's got a chance to do it at Super Bulldog weekend with all of you there if you have not made plans to attend, please do so now. I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, the uh, the greatest restaurant-quality hamburger in the known world. Uh, it's one of those things, one of the delicacies of life is when you get a chance to treat yourself and go have a restaurant-quality hamburger. I don't mean one of these fast-food, folded-corner, grease burger jobs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking a, a great restaurant-quality hamburger with fine ingredients, with fresh ingredients, made by professionals, made by people that care about their jobs. Now, Bulldog Burger Company is a Starkville institution. It is run by people that, a family of restaurants that are invested in Starkville and invested in Mississippi State. So when you go and do business and break bread with them, you're breaking bread with Bulldogs. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So went to football practice, and uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking football here. And uh, so... The first thing that I want to say is that the NFL draft's coming up here in about, about three weeks. And so I have spoken to a couple of people that have had some interaction with some NFL front office types. Number one, it said that Mississippi State's Pro Day was absolutely outstanding. Said that the, the flow of things was very, very good. Said that the, the university was well represented. Said that, uh, that guys were as advertised. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people out there that'll go tell these scouts, hey, well, this kid's going to go run a 4.540 and he turns in a 4.85. Or this kid's going to do a great job and he's going to jump, you know, yeah, I don't know, 10 feet broad and he jumps 8.5. And, and so basically, what our people were telling the NFL people was verified by the actions and the performance of our players at Pro Day. That's how you build credibility with people. Another thing that may have been missed, for those of you that may have watched Pro Day on the, I guess it's on the NFL Network or SEC Network, one of the two, is that uh, the inside of the Palmero Center looks finished. You know, for years and years and years and years and years, we had that unfinished wood up around the exterior interior of the Palmero Center. Well, it has now been painted, and I want to give... Mississippi State's Bill Martin credit for kind of pushing that issue. I've had a couple people tell me that, you know, Bill said, hey, listen, 
we got to dress this place up a little bit. You know, we've got this is going to be broadcast live, and this is about recruiting. This is about an opportunity for us to, to sell our branding, and it looks outstanding. For the first time since we've had Palmero Center, it looks finished to me. And that's one of the things I think that helps us to bring some people in to kind of instill some pride in what we're doing to take pride in Mississippi State. And so that was a, a, a big part of it, too. I think Mississippi State represented itself well on TV and with NFL personnel. But the, the feedback that I'm getting is that uh, there is a very good chance, as you all know, that State could have as many as three first-round draft picks. You know who those, those people are. Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Abram. Then there is talk that State could have a couple more on day two, a couple more selections that, that takes you to five, and then on the final day of the draft have uh, you know five or six potential selections. And so it is going to be a huge draft for Mississippi State. But there there's a lot of discussion about Nick Fitzgerald playing quarterback. And uh, we have continued to hear that Nick has let everybody know that he wants to play quarterback, but he will not turn down an opportunity to play for an NFL franchise at another position if that's what he needs needs to do. That he is keeping all options options open. He has been very vocal about that, but he's also told them it is his desire to play quarterback, but he will not rule out a position change. A lot of discussion about Mark McLaurin. Mark McLaurin had a great junior season. I don't know that he had a great senior season. He had a good senior season, but it wasn't a great senior season. I think if he had kind of built on that junior year, he's probably in those mid-rounds. will probably be a late-round pick, but I think he is a guy that will impress in meetings. He will impress on the board. He will impress as an ambassador. Mark comes from a great family, and I think that he, you know, he will make a good uh, impression on people, and I think someone ultimately will draft him. Uh, one of the guys that's gotten a lot of buzz is Braxton Hoyette because he has changed his body. It's incredible. I'm, I'm beginning to think to myself, wonder what he would have done if this had been his physique the last couple of years of his career. But uh, Braxton is a guy that has had tons of meetings uh, with NFL executives and front office people over the course of the last couple of weeks. Tons of meetings. And uh, he is an intriguing guy, probably a guy that will go in later rounds, sixth or seventh pick. But uh, I think Mississippi State fans can all say we got our scholarship money out of Braxton Hoyette. That is a guy that we, we you know, we kind of signed him uh, as a developmental guy, and boy did he develop. And uh, what a reliable guy he proved to be. A great ambassador for Mississippi State, a guy that I'm very proud of, that wore the maroon and white, and uh, a guy that we can call one of ours, and uh, a guy that will represent us no matter where he goes. We talk about, uh, you know, wherever you go, we go with you. But uh, an outstanding outstanding young man so we hope the best for him a lot of talk about Jamal Peters too because he is so intriguing he is a a guy with a lot of upside uh, has some pretty good film and one of the things that I was told today that I thought was rather interesting that um, his attitude towards practice towards off the field stuff towards all the thing behind the scenes as a senior was better than at any point in his career and you would expect that but said that he really dedicated himself this year to become a better football player, to improve his football IQ, uh, to do the things necessary to make himself an NFL prospect. And, uh, and you know, he had the injury, and he, he battles back and kind of shows that he has some resilience, and you know, a lot of people could have nursed their way through that, but uh, he, he wanted to come back and play, and he did. And so there's a lot of talk about him because his intangibles and his measurables are very, very good. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, you know, you know, he, he got beat on this, got beat on that. You know, that's some of that's just competition. But when you've got a guy with his size and speed, NFL people take notice because he, you know, he has the measurables that uh, that what the professionals are looking for. He is a bit stiff at times. Doesn't always get in, in good straight line speed. You know, doesn't have that explosive quickness. Uh, but he is a guy that is rather intriguing. But uh, when you begin to think about, you you, you kind of have a good feeling about who's going to do well, what what to expect from them. Uh, but uh, you think about a guy like Chris Rayford, and uh, beginning to hear a lot more about Chris, people very intrigued by him because of how fast he runs and the fact that uh, you know he is a guy that will have an opportunity to, to make a roster. And I had somebody else tell me again today they expect him to be a guy that you know makes a, a, a squad as a uh, as an undrafted free agent. You know, said so he could, could go in the sixth or seventh round, but he, that even if he goes undrafted, he's a guy that'll make a roster somewhere because he's willing to do all the little things. He has a knack for special teams. He loves doing it. And so when you begin to stack all that together and you think about 
the, the first night of the draft is going to be so great for Mississippi State. The second night is going to be a good night, and then that last day we're going to set a new record for NFL draft picks in program history. So moving right along, I'm going to go ahead and give you a, a couple things. There's been a lot of discussion about how close the quarterback competition has been. I have been to three practices, okay? Full disclosure, I've been to three. I had to cover baseball, had a lot of things going on. Uh, David Murray and Paul Jones have gone for us to every single practice. And so they, they've had practice reports and that kind of stuff on jeanspage.com. I went for the third time, and for the third time, Keaton Thompson looked head and shoulders better than the rest of the quarterbacks. I thought that the distance on Thursday was greater than it had been the other two times I've seen him. Keaton's throwing a catchable ball. He's spinning the ball well. He's getting it out clean. He's throwing the ball out in front of people. I didn't see a single ball behind a receiver today, and granted, we only got a few periods. But I thought Keaton was head and shoulders better than everybody. Uh, Jalen Maiden throws a nice ball. There are times his ball placement is off. Now, you expect that being a younger guy. He's not expected to be the starter this year. Okay? So, uh, I do think he is a guy that, uh, because of his ability to throw the football, is very intriguing. He's also still kind of getting up to SEC speed. Okay? So, uh, we're not going to be too harsh a critic on him. Garrett Schrader, mechanically, still got some things to kind of work through. A little herky-jerky at times. I'll be honest with you, it doesn't look quite as easy for him as it does Keaton. But some of that, too, is he's learning a new system. He's got people critiquing his motions. He's trying to change some things mechanically because nobody expects him to come out and start this year. I know some of our fans have come out and said, well, you know, maybe Schrader will be the starter. You know, based on what we've seen in the spring, I don't really think there's much danger of that happening. I, I think you can play him in his four games preserve his four years of eligibility and allow him the time to develop. You don't have to rush him out there. I know some people are saying, well, let's go ahead and take our lumps this year. I think Mississippi State's going to be pretty good at football this year. I don't think we're going to be a contending team, but I think we're an eight-win team. I, th- I think uh, you've got to find a way you know, to protect the home turf, but uh, you've got a chance to win eight ball games this year. And uh, you know, I don't think it's one of those things where you throw the baby out with the bathwater just you can get Garrett Schrader a year under his belt. Because I think that four-game redshirt rule gives you the ability to get him some playing time, get him some some reps, some real live game reps against an SEC defense or D1 defense, and have the ability to critique that film down and teach him from there. He will be our guy at some point. I don't think it's going to be this year. Now we'll see what happens between a lot that can happen between now and the time we roll into New Orleans to play you all off yet. That game's going to be here before you know it, though. We're almost done with spring practice. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but uh, we're going to wrap up spring practice. Super Bowl Dark Weekend will be the last public practice, and then there'll be a cleanup practice probably that Sunday, I guess. We, we, they won't be open to us. You know, Super Bowl Dark Weekend will be the last time we have a chance that the Maroon and White day game for us to see them. Uh, but I would say right now, if I had to handicap the race, it's Keaton Thompson by a large margin. And I mean a large margin. And the way that he looks throwing the football today compared to what he looked like last fall, it, it is immeasurably better. Now, it's one of the things last year, and we, we kind of talked about it some on the show and in the media, is that while people were kind of, kind of complained about Nick's accuracy, Keaton was even worse in practice than Nick. Nick in practice looked outstanding. Keaton now looks like you want him to look. Now, I haven't seen him in a scrimmage. You know, I wasn't there last Saturday because I was covering baseball. But uh, you have the scrimmage last Saturday and don't know the decision-making piece, if you know what I'm saying. But as far as him throwing the football today, lining up in drills, his ball placement, getting the ball out on time, getting it out in rhythm, without a question, the best one. And it's, and it's, it's really not close, okay? And that's not to be negative about the other quarterbacks. But I believe at this point, in the latter stages of spring football, Keaton Thompson has begun to really separate himself in this, quote, quarterback competition. There is no quarterback controversy. Keaton Thompson's your quarterback. And he is a better player than he was this time last year, without question. Now, wide receivers, that is still – one of the things that I'll tell you about the wide receiver group – I don't see anybody kind of stepping out being the dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when Fred Ross was here, 
that, that you know, they called him the boss or whatever, you know. But you knew who the guy was. When Deronye Wilson was here, you knew who the guy was. When Chad Bumpus was here, you knew who the daddy was. I don't see that with this group. And, and that, that is a bit of a concern, okay? I do think Dedrick Thomas looks to be a better player. I think he looks outstanding. Uh, we heard that last year, and uh, he had his best year to date last year. I think he was underutilized at times. Uh, but I think he is a guy that uh, is poised for a big year, and we need him to have one. I thought Stephen Gidry looked good today. He was back in a maroon jersey, full contact jersey. Uh, Hands-wise, I think he looks, and that this is probably the most important news I guess you're here today. I thought everything that they threw within his catch radius today, he caught. I know right now people are thinking, well, I wish he'd have done that in the outback bowl. You know what? Me too. But the bottom line is, I think he is better for it. I don't get the sense right now that he is the bell cow of that group. I don't know who is. Austin Williams looked okay. Uh, Devontae Jason looked okay. Uh, One of the things about WAP that concerns me a little bit is, you know, we're a couple years into this thing, and he's still out there kind of rounding off routes. Not really – not as precise with his routes as I would had hoped to to see today. He's never been a uh, you know a speed merchant. He's a guy that he, he runs well, but he doesn't. He's not a track star by any stretch of imagination. And so, in order for him to get open, he has got to be able to run precise routes. And I thought today that that to be to be completely honest with you, I thought he looked a little sloppy with the route running. I did not think that he uh, that he was at an SEC level based on the drills that we saw. Now, when the lights come on, it may be completely different. Because, again, we only see a limited number of, of, of periods. But I, I, I just thought he was a – I thought he was a good player. I didn't I didn't, I didn't, didn't see him as a great player. He was not a guy that, that necessarily stood out to me today uh, in practice. A guy that is kind of intriguing to me, though, is uh, Cameron Gardner. I know we – out of Starville High School. And uh, I remember there was a lot of doubts about signing him. And there was talk, well, he's going to grow into a tight end. He's back out at receiver. He's kind of trimmed up. The kid's making some plays. Uh, I don't know that he's a difference maker, but I think you know, he is a guy that uh, that is rather intriguing because of his length. You know, he's a guy that will take ownership of the football when it's thrown in his direction. But uh, he's a guy that has kind of done some things in the, in the periods that I saw that I was kind of intrigued by. I had some people tell me uh, yesterday before practice, you know, Gardner's done some things. Gardner's made a few plays. He, he might might be a guy for us. The guy that I thought was the best receiver in the drills that I saw was Osiris Mitchell. I thought Osiris, we talked about the jump he made last year from freshman to sophomore year, the jump that he made. I get the sense that he is building upon that. He looks good in a uniform. He runs. He is a good practice player. He takes it all seriously. I don't see him out there kind of BSing it with the other guys. You know, he, he seems to always be paying attention to the rep in front of him and what the other guys are talking about, what Michael Johnson's talking about. Uh, as a former high school coach, I can tell you, he's the kind of guy you want to coach because he always appears to be engaged. And I really thought today there were a couple balls when the accuracy wasn't quite there. He did the best job of kind of adjusting to the football. So expecting some big things from him. The tight ends group, a little different. Brad Cumbus wasn't there. Brad's already on his way to Knoxville. Uh, Jaquarius Spivey is a dude. I mean, I, you look at him and you think, you know what, this guy should be good, and he is good. Uh, Farad Green looks tough out there. Not the route runner that Spivey is. And, and I don't mean that to be critical of Farad because I think everybody understands what you're going to get with Farad. Very physical, very tough football player. Uh, we'll go out there, and if you can get him to football, he's going to run hard for you. Spivey, just a shade more athletic, if you understand what I'm saying. A little more explosive. I think he's a guy that can you know, be a real playmaker in this offense. I think he's a guy, if you get him loose on the hash, he can run it for a touchdown. You know, we, we like to run that play a lot. You know, Farad Green pulled that down a couple times last year. Uh, and uh, people were able to kind of run him down. I don't think they'll run Spivey down. Eager to see Cumbus back out there. A lot of people tell me today that they miss him when he is not there. And not just because of his playmaking ability, but because of the energy that he brings. That, that because he is so tough and he is so physical, when he catches the ball, he's difficult to bring down and it fires everybody up. Uh, that's good to see. Um, so, you know, we'll see what kind of happens with that group. But, again, it, it appears that the most talented players in that personnel group are the young guys, and that's being Cumbus and Spivey.
but Farad Green, you know, that's a that's a reliable player for you there. He you you know what to expect from Farad. Uh, would like to have seen him catch a few more passes last year, but you you know when you line up out there and Farad's a tight end, he can handle the the pass protection part of it. He can handle the run blocking part of it, and he'll get out there and he's a capable wider, capable receiver for you out in the pass pattern. But I think these younger guys are just a little more explosive. And again, that's not to be critical. That's just that's just my observation. Uh, did not get to see any O-line, D-line stuff. Watched the running backs a little bit. Colin was in a, uh, a yellow jersey, which is limited contact. And so they're out there working with Terry Richardson. You know what you've got there. Uh, had a chance to briefly talk to Nick Gibson after practice. He feels like he's got a chance to do some big things this year. Uh, very humble guy, Nick Gibson. You know, I, I think he, you know, he, he had some tough times, I guess, as a sophomore, and there was some discussion last year that he may be a grad transfer somewhere. He elected to stay, and my goodness, Mississippi State fans should be overjoyed that he did because if not, we'd be going into the fall with one returning scholarship running back. And uh, Nick is a guy that's been very patient. He's bided his time here. He's bought into the program. He's done what they've asked him to do. Uh, but I, I feel good about that group and, and, and anybody you talk to. Related to Mississippi State football, you ask him, how does Colin look? And everybody says that he has gone through this spring practice, very workmanlike, very explosive, looks to be in the best shape of his career. We expect some big things from him. Defensively, based on some of the conversations, some of the things that we've talked about, too, the depth of defensive tackle is a problem. Now, we've got a few months to get ready. I guess we've got, you know, what, six months to get ready, five months to get ready? Is that right, five months? Yeah, five months to get ready. But we've got to find some answers at defensive tackle. Kendall Jones is hurt. He's out for an extended period of time. Lee Autry is a a guy in the middle, but he can't play every snap. So some of these young guys, Fabian Lovett and those guys, have got to get better. They've got to get up to speed quickly. Uh, Hearing a lot of big things about Errol Thompson, Willie Gay. Talk with Jed Johnson a little bit. I'll have that video posted for you uh, later. But Jed Johnson's a guy that uh, has done a good job. Jed Johnson's a guy that... uh, playing his way in, still acclimating to SEC life. But, uh, you know, I think him and uh, Nathaniel Watson and, and Aaron Brule, that's a group that can kind of grow up together. But uh, he mentioned how much he's learned from watching guys like Errol Thompson work, watching them in practice, watching them get better. And that's helped him you know, kind of become engaged and kind of understand what it, what it means to be an SEC football player, what it means to prepare to be an SEC football player. This linebacker group, you feel really good about your first two. You know, you you know Leo Lewis has it in him. You know, he had a, had a really big uh, year in 2016. Uh, I thought last year was just okay. There were times I thought, that, especially early in the year, I thought Bob Shoup knew how to use him. I thought it was a, it was an improvement over 17. I thought 17 was kind of a year of regression for Leo. But I thought he was better last year. And so eager to see what will happen with him this year. Uh, because Shoup liked to bring him on the blitz last year. You know, he absolutely blew some people up last year. So it's in him. It's uh, it's not a question of, of ability. I think sometimes it's just kind of getting it out of him. I think he, he's one of those kind of guys, too. He, he he needs to play a lot of snaps to stay engaged. I think he's a guy that the more he plays and the more he gets hit, the more physical he can be. Uh, but, you know, again, the secondary, we're hearing so many great things about the secondary. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I was prepared to hear all that. But, uh, you know, Cam Dancer, Mari Smitherman, they're holding it down. Uh, asked Terrell Buckley uh, on Thursday who would be his number two guys, and he said Corey Charles and Tyler Williams. Uh, and Corey Charles is a guy that's kind of moved around on both sides of the football, and I, I wasn't sure what to expect from that. But uh, Buckley seems to be very confident in him. And we'll see what happens when some of these younger guys get there. But uh, you feel really good about Smitherman and really good about Cam, and who Buckley says Dancer might be the best corner in the country and certainly in the Southeastern Conference. And then Maury Smitherman continues just to be the solid guy. And Bob Shoup told us that last week. He said Smitherman is just very, very consistent in what he does. And so we worried about the secondary last year, especially at corner, and it appears to be okay. Uh, safety, you know, the people continue to say Brian Cole is healthy and becoming a bit of a playmaker. They're even talking about him being back on kick returns this year. Uh, that's exciting. I see, Every time I see Capri Landrews, that kid is smiling. Every single time. That kid loves football. He loves Mississippi State, expecting a big year out of him. And then, uh, you know, C.J. Morgan's a guy that's kind of working his way back. But, uh, you know, we feel good about the starters. And then Marcus Murphy, of course, is kind of working in there too. But, you know, it's one of those things you kind of got to figure. you got to build some depth. 
You're going to have to have some guys out there that's going to play a lot of snaps for you. But there's just a lot of confidence right now. I mean, again, you know, wide receivers need a bell cow, okay? And defensive tackle, you've got to find some – you've got to build a depth chart there. But by and large, people seem to feel like we're putting together a very productive spring. Considering the attrition of the coaching staff and considering the fact the talented players you lost, I think everybody feels pretty good about where they are right now. And where they go from here remains to be seen. But uh, hopefully we can have a, a good weekend. Now, Paul Jones and Dave Murray will have uh, all your stuff this weekend from the scrimmage. Again, I will be in Knoxville covering baseball. So Gene's page is going to be a one-stop shop for you because, as I understand it, we'll be the only Mississippi State media outlet covering the series at, at Tennessee. So we'll have full football coverage and full baseball coverage. Go by and please check that out. Uh, we'd love to have you as a VIP member. That's where all the cool kids are. When they're not eating lunch at Bulldog Burger Company, they're reading Gene's page. And you should as well. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday recapping the weekend that was. Hopefully it's a winning weekend for Mississippi State. And uh, we'll be getting ready for Super Bulldog Weekend. If you haven't made your arrangements, please go ahead and do that now. We, we want you to be here. It is one of the times that we can kind of all get together and celebrate multiple sports together. Not to mention a good chance you could see some history at Duty Noble Field with Jake Mangum chasing the SEC career hits, career hits lead, lead record. My goodness. SEC career hits record. Chasing Eddie Furness. But until next time, let's all live our lives and away with mingle friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.